we have it turned on and we're recording now. So, again, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, Preach the word, be instant in season, not of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And uh, so I think that's uh, uh, something that we all need to heed when God would have us to share His Word, to speak to someone, share our testimony, or to preach or to teach. It's good to be ready. In Hebrews chapter 11 and uh, verse 5, we uh, read this verse. Hebrews chapter 11 and... uh, Verse five. Now hold your place there because I'm going to read it here in just in just a minute. I want to ask you a question, but first let's pray. All right, our Father, we're thankful for this evening for allowing us to be here tonight, and for the afternoon for a little bit of rest we have. And uh, thank you for those who've come tonight. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. May the message make a difference. We pray you bless Pastor, give him strength and healing, Lord, from this vertigo and and uh, whatever else is bothering him at this time, Lord. Uh, Lord, these bodies are frail, and uh, we are fearfully and wonderfully, wonderfully made, as you tell us in Psalm, I believe, 139. But Father, we thank you that you give us strength and help us, uh, Lord, uh, not not to be uh, weary in in well doing, but uh, help us, Lord. Speak to us tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever walked through a cemetery? I mean, on purpose. And read the epitaphs on the tombstones. Anybody ever done that? On the gravestones. You know, an epitaph for the, for the, for the young people. An epitaph, uh, it, it, it's a phrase or a statement uh, of a person who has died. And it's usually an inscription on the gravestone. Something that's written on there to tell a little bit about that person. Okay? Uh, you know, while serving as missionaries in England for many years... Uh, we visited many, many old churches, and sometimes we might drive by an old church, and I would just stop and walk to the cemetery to read the, tomb, the, the gravestones, all right? And um, uh, you can learn a lot about people, about their lives. And um, when we were in England, as we walked through these cemeteries, and many of them are hundreds, hundreds of years old, many of the gravestones, uh, matter of fact, could no longer be read because uh, they had been worn by time and the elements. But the ones that could be read usually told a little bit about the person who was buried there. Sort of a final testimony. For instance, give you an example. Uh, we were serving near Letchley, England, and uh, there was an old, old church there, an old cemetery, uh, Englisham, I think it was called. And there was a, as you walk through the gate, there were, you'd see all these old tombstones. And uh, there was one in particular, and uh, buried there were the uh, was a was was a mother and the child, and uh, the child died in childbirth, and then the mother passed away a few days later, and the husband is buried there also, and on that tombstone were these words: "We cannot, Lord, Thy purpose see, but all is well that's done by Thee." That's precious, isn't it? That told a lot about, and I don't, I don't recall the name of the individual there, uh, but uh, he, his wife, and little baby were buried there. We cannot, Lord, thy purpose see, but all is well that's done by thee. I think that's, uh, that's very precious. Here's some epitaphs that I have read about, okay? Written on William Booth. William Booth was the founder of the Salvation Army. And written on his gravestone is one word, 
others. That's it. And you know, there's a hymn, I think it's called Others. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be. Help me to live for others as thou didst live for me. And of course, if you know anything about William Booth, he, he lived for others. He loved the poor, the needy, the down and out. And that was his life story. Others, Lord. That's precious, isn't it? Frances Ridley Havergill. Uh, she was a hymn writer, wrote poems. And on her tombstone it says, By her writings in prose and verse, she being dead, yet speaketh. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Fanny Crosby, I think, wrote about 8,000 hymns and poems. And on her tombstone, on her gravestone, is written these words, She hath done what she could. That's it. She has done what she could. And again, that's precious. John Newton, uh, who was a slave trader, was marvelously saved. He, 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 he became a pastor and he wrote the hymn, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Well, on his tombstone, guess what words are written there? Amazing Grace. That's it. That's it. Adoniram Judson was missionary to, uh, to, to, to Burma. And uh, in Malden, Massachusetts, near Boston, in a Baptist church, there's a marble tablet with this inscription on it. Reverend Adoniram Judson, born August the 9th, 1788, died April the 12th, 1850. Malden, his birthplace. The ocean, his sepulcher. Converted Burmans. The Burman Bible, his monument. His record is on high. As ours is. Amen. Um, here's, here was, here, here's something that was written. Uh, this is what was written on the tombstone of a Christian. Gone home with a friend. Isn't that precious? Gone home with a friend. You know, when, uh, I just thought of something. When our son John went to be with the Lord. 20, was it 20 something years ago? Almost 28 years ago. Uh, you know, we were we were thinking of what to put in his obituary, and a lot of people, a lot of when you read obituaries, uh, a lot of times it'll say died, he died, or she died. Well, rather than that, we we put on a his, he slept, he's asleep with Jesus, Amen. And that's what happens to Christians when we pass away. We just go to sleep here, and we wake up in Jesus's arms. And um, so here is, um, let's see here. Here's the gravestone of an unbeliever, all dressed up and no place to go. And that's sort of humorous, but isn't that sad? Here's the gravestone. Uh, uh, here's another one. And this, uh, this is really sad. It said, he lived, he died, no one noticed. How tragic. You know, most, most epitaphs are serious, but um, occasionally... You, you do see humorous ones. For instance, written on a hypochondriac's epitaph are these words. I told you I was sick. <laughs> Here's another one. Here among the grass and trees lies the bod of old man Pease. Only his pod lies beneath his, this sod. Pease shelled out and went to God. On the gravestone in... Uh, 
Enosburg Falls in Vermont. It says this, Here lies the body of our dead Anna, gone to death by a banana. It wasn't the fruit that dealt the blow, but the skin of the thing that laid her low. How many of you know who Mel Blanc is, or was? Yes? Tell us, Bruce. He was the voice of several cartoon characters. He was known as the man of a thousand voices. Bugs Bunny? Daffy Duck? Porky Pig? Tweety Bird? Sylvester the Cat? Yosemite Sam? Foghorn? Lake Foghorn Leghorn? Uh, Marvin the Martian, Pepe Le Pew, Speedy Gonzalez, Willie E. Coyote, The Roadrunner, The Tasmanian Devil, and many, many other characters of the uh, Looney Tunes and Melody, uh, Mary Melody's uh, theatrical cartoons. And uh, so, he was uh, quite an animator. Uh, do you know what is uh, on his gravestone? That's all, folks. That's all, folks. Yes, he did. He did many. Like I said, he was a he was known as the voice, uh, the, the man of a thousand voices. Quite a character. So in Hebrews eleven, we have what uh, some have called the heroes' hall of faith. And of course, listed uh, among the many examples of faith, we read about a man by the name of Enoch. Enoch. Uh, I have a brother, uh, a half-brother, I believe, whose name is Enoch. It's an unusual name for today. But uh, this man named Enoch, and, and, and we read about him in chapter 11 of Hebrews, and I believe we read about what could be his epitaph or his, his final testimony in verse 5. Because we are told, notice in verse 5, it says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he, what? What does he say? He pleased God. That was his testimony for Logan. He pleased, what, what a great testimony, isn't it? I don't know about you, but you know, that's the kind of testimony I want to leave. And uh, that would be a good epitaph to have inscribed on each of our gravestones. He or she pleased God. So what do we know about Enoch? Uh, by the way, there are two Enochs that are mentioned in the Bible. One is the son of Cain in Genesis 4, this verse 17. And the other is a seventh generation descendant of Adam through his son, Seth. And we read that in Genesis chapter 5. Enoch was the son of Jared. And he was 65 years old when he begat Methuselah. Who was Methuselah? Huh? The oldest man. The oldest person that ever lived. 900 and I forget how many. 60 what? 69. 969 years old. And uh, so he was 65 when he begat Methuselah, who was the great-grandfather of Noah. And he lived for 300. Enoch lived for 365 years when God took him. And... Luke refers to him in his genealogy of, uh, in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 3, verse 37. Now, 
There's not much biblical um, information about this Enoch, all right? What, what did he do to deserve such a great testimony that the author uh, of Hebrews says he had this test? Here was his testimony. He pleased God. What, what did he do to please God? His faith. His faith, okay. What else? Well, I'm going to tell you here in just a minute. Because we first read about him in the genealogy of the patriarchs, patriarchs that are found in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 21. Genesis chapter 5 and verse 21, the Bible says, And Enoch lived sixty and five years, and he begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God. What did he do? He walked with God. And after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch, here it is again, here it is again, walked with God. And he was not for God took him. And Methuselah lived 180 and seven years and begat Lamech. So, that's what he did. That was his great testimony. He walked with God. That's how he pleased God. And, uh, uh, you know, he didn't, uh, as far as I know, he didn't write a book. But Jude, verse 14, tells us something amazing about him, about Enoch. Because under the inspiration of the Scriptures, of the, excuse me, of the Holy Spirit, Jude tells us that Enoch prophesied about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. One author said this, quote, before the Bible was written, before the first world was destroyed for its universal evil, before the promise of the seed to Abraham and the centuries of God's preparation for the Messiah, Enoch was uh, proclaiming that Jesus would come again. And it's remarkable that Enoch was prophesying at least 5,000 years ago of the second coming of Christ and of great judgment against sinners. So perhaps the most amazing fact recorded about Enoch is this, Hebrews 11.5. He was translated that he should not see death. And he was not found because God translated him. Before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And in Genesis chapter 5, we are told what it was that Enoch did that pleased God. He walked with God. And that's it. Let's say amen, close our Bibles, and go home. No, there's a little bit more to it. You see, Enoch experienced going, being taken to heaven alive by God. And uh, he, and there was one other person. There's only two persons who have ever been taken to heaven alive. Who was the other person? Elijah. Second Kings chapter 2, without dying. And you know what, folks? You and I may also have that experience when Jesus comes to take us home, if He comes before we die. He'll take us just like that, in the twinkling of an eye. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52, that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and that word there, twinkling of an eye, the Greek word is atomos. Uh, we get the word Adam from that. Quick, just that quick. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be 
changed. We shall be changed. That would be the greatest transformation of all. We spoke about this morning about transformed life. So Enoch pleased, he, he sought to please God by, by living a life of constant fellowship and communion with his God. And if you and I are going to leave a lasting testimony, folks, and, and we're going to please God, then we are going to have to walk with him. Walking with God, by the way, doesn't mean that, that I take him by the hand and, and I go for a walk with him and say, all right, God, I'm going this way, you come with me. That's not what walking with God means, all right? Uh, walking with God means, in a nutshell, that I put my life in his hands and that I trust him to lead me. As David said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. What? He leadeth me. I don't lead him, but he leads me. And that's the way it should be anyway. How many of you enjoy walking? Corey? Anybody else? Yes, all right. How many of us should be walking? Yes. I think we all need to do that. We had a lady in our church there in Nebraska where I pastored for about three years. And her name was Joyce. But we had two Joyces. One was a great big tall Joyce and the other one was a little bitty Joyce. Seriously, she was only about this big. And you know what? You could drive on almost any day, you could drive around Hastings, Nebraska, and you would see little Joyce walking somewhere. And we would stop and say, hey, Joyce, would you like a ride? Oh, no, Pastor, thank you. I'm all right. And she would walk everywhere. Everywhere, and everyone in Hastings, Nebraska knew her. When she passed away, tragically, she went through a crosswalk. The light was green, and a lady turned, and she didn't see her. She was so short, she didn't see her above her her, uh, uh, hood. And tragically, uh, well, not tragically, but Joyce went to be with her Lord. She loved but she'd walk, she probably put a million miles a year on her sneakers. But you know, walking implies several things. It implies action. It implies progress. Uh, it implies continuance. And of course, it implies a habit, a habit of walking. In his letter to the Christians at Colossae, the Apostle Paul said this, Colossians 2 and verse 6, as ye have received, as ye have, pardon me, as ye therefore have received Jesus, Christ, Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. So walk ye in Him. To the Christians at Thessalonica, Paul said, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and we exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk to please God so ye would abound more and more. And that's in First Thess 4 and verse 1. I looked up the word on my Bible uh, program that I have, I have several of them on my computer, and I found that, that, that walk is mentioned at least 65 times in the New Testament. And it means to live, to act, to make one's way, to progress, to regulate one's life, to conduct one's self to be occupied. And it has to do with the way that we live and we conduct our lives. You know, walking with God involves pleasing Him. 
We heard about that, I believe, in our, during our Bible class time and, of course, in the message this morning. But walking with God each day, not just on Sundays, but every day, we're to walk with God. Here are a few ways that we can please God as we walk with Him each day. All right? We're going to have sort of like a little word study right now, and the word is walk. And I mean, you can just jot them down on your lesson there. I've given you a lot of scriptures, and I'll be sharing those also. So, first of all, we are to walk in the light. Walk in the light. And the word light has a twofold meaning. First, it refers to Jesus Himself, of course. In the Old Testament, it speaks of Messiah's coming and that He would be a light for His people. Listen to these verses. Isaiah 60, verse 19 through 20. The sun shall be no more thy light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee. But the Lord, God Jehovah, shall be unto the self-existing one, shall be unto thee an everlasting light, and thy God, thy glory. The sun shall be no shall no more go down, and neither shall thy moon withdraw itself. For the Lord shall be thine everlasting light, and the days of thy morning shall be ended. And you know what? We, we, we see the fulfillment of this. And one of these years, pastor is going to get to Revelation chapter 21. All right? But in Revelation 21, in verse 23, it says, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. There'll be no need for a sun or the moon when we get to heaven, Brother Diego, because Jesus will be the light. Amen? In John 8, verse 12, it says, Then spake Jesus unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. 1 John 1, 7 tells us, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. That's the best kind of fellowship, isn't it? Yeah. Two fellows in the same ship. You remember? That's what fellowship is. And uh, he, he is the light. We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. That's what Frances Havergale had on her uh, tombstone. Picture of it right here, matter of fact. See? Can you read that? No, I couldn't either. I had to look it up. Alright, so that's the first thing that we can do. Walk in the light. Secondly, we are to walk in His Word. Walk in His Word. Uh, uh, that's uh, the, the second word for light. It refers to God's Word. First to Himself, and now to His Word. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. The Apostle John said in his second epistle, 2 John 1, 6, And this is love, that we walk after His commandments. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. <clears throat> Did you notice the first stanza of the hymn we sung? What was the first stanza? When we walk with the Lord in the light of of His Word. What a glory He sheds on our way. And I think that's the key to having a successful walk with God. Stay in His Word. Stay in His Word. Third, walk in newness of life. Romans 6.4 says, Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism 
into death. That we, like as Christ, was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. And this verse, of course, is often quoted. I, I, I often quoted this uh, during baptismal services. Buried in His likeness, raised to walk in newness of life. And you know what, folks? Uh, before we're saved, we are dead in our sin, aren't we? But after salvation, we have a new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we shared that this morning. Uh, when a person is born again, he has a new life and he becomes a new creation. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, or woman, or young person, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Are you still with me? Number four, we're to walk in after the Spirit. Romans 8 one says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Galatians 5.16, Paul said, For we say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In Galatians 5.25, he says, If we live in the Spirit, let's also walk in the Spirit. Number five, we're to walk honestly. Hmm. Romans 13.13, 13, Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering, and wantonness, nor in strife and envy. Let me explain a couple of these terms. Rioting, of course, it means reveling, which is the consequences of drunkenness. Chambering means licentiousness, um, cohabitation, sexual promiscuity, loose in sexual activities, not confining one's sexual relationship to one person. Chambering. Uh, the next word, wantonness, uh, that refers to lewdness, lasciviousness, lustful acts. And then strife means to quarrel, cause contention. Envy is, of course, jealousy. First, that's for verse 12. Paul says that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, that's the church, without the church, and that ye may have lack of nothing. And so the world needs to see. You know, a Christian, I believe, should be known for his honesty. Amen? And integrity. And it's sad that so... And many people have been turned off Christianity because of what they have seen in some so-called Christians because of their dishonest behavior. So, and the world is watching us, by the way. Did you know that? Did you know that your neighbors are watching you? Did you know your family's watching you? Uh, did you know that your friends are watching you? And your enemies are watching you too. They're watching us, folks. And so we should be known for our honesty and integrity. You know, God, God is not, God will not bless a dishonest person. Number six, walk by faith. Second Corinthians 5 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We're to live by faith. That's what we're learning in the book of James, isn't it? Uh, James, faith that works, not by sight. Romans 14 23, we're told, for whatsoever is not of faith, is what? Is sin. Is sin. Number seven, walk in good works. In Ephesians 2.10, Paul says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, 
which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And the word, the word workmanship, it's an interesting word. The Greek word is poema. I think I'm saying that correctly. Poema, P-O-I-E-M-A. And from which we get the word poem. Poem. And so what it means here is that uh, that which is made a manufacturer's product. God has made us, folks, to, to be a beautiful piece of poetry for all the world to read and to see. Are you a poem? What do people see when they look at you? Do they see Jesus? They should. They should. Number eight, walk in love. Ephesians 5 and verse 2. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. That means fragrance. Ephesians 5 and verse 2. How many of you like photography? Anybody like photography? Yep, some of us do. Uh, I like photography. And uh, I've had, you name the brand, and down through the years I've had it, I've had that camera, all right? But I, I, I love to um, uh, take pictures of flowers especially. Uh, did you know there's a, there's a reason for each flower's brilliant color? How many of you have a garden? How many of you have flowers? How many of you like flowers? All right. Purple flowers. This is interesting. Purple flowers attract bees because they're rich in nectar. Pink flowers, red and orange, attract hummingbirds. Anybody have a hummingbird feeder? We had one. It's a little red. It's red, isn't it? Usually it's red. And it's got little yellow flowers on there in red. And you put your uh, hummingbird... Kickapoo joy juice in there, and they like it. They come for it. Um, even a flower's scent has a purpose. The fragrance of blue, for instance, the yellow and white flowers, uh, 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 the fragrance of blue, yellow, and white flowers, they attract butterflies. So, Philip Paul, so what? Well, let me ask you this. How do you smell? How do you smell? To the world. You know, everywhere we go, folks, we live, we leave an odor. We leave an odor. God also designed us with a special purpose to be the fragrance of His love to a hurting and broken world by sharing His good news of salvation. We are to love God, and when His love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, then the world will see that we love others. Jesus said to his disciples, And you commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one to another. And that's in John chapter 13. Number nine, we're to walk carefully. Carefully. Ephesians 5.15, Paul says, See then that ye walk circumspectly. That means carefully. Being careful. Not as fools, but as wise. The word circumspectly comes from the Latin word circumspectus, which means to, to look around carefully and cautiously to watch on all sides. It's a military term. Paul's saying, be very careful. 
how you walk. Be very careful how you live. And you know what? As we walk through this world, we are to be, as Peter says, sober, vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And then number 10, the last one, we're to walk in wisdom. Colossians 4, 5, Paul says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, without the church, the world, redeeming the time. Now, we are to be wise in the way that we live and act. And uh, the word redeeming here, it simply means to, to buy up, um, to, to rescue from loss. It's to buy up a ransom. And it has to do with redeeming opportunities. Paul tells us that uh, in, in Ephesians 5.16, that we are to redeem the time. Redeeming the time, why? Because the days are evil. And certainly we see that today. And so it behooves us folks to walk carefully, to be careful how we walk. So where does wisdom come from? Well, James told us, and we've covered that in James 1.5. If we need wisdom in this matter of walking and wisdom, we're to ask Him. We're to go to Him, who gives all liberally. He doesn't chastise us. He'll give us all the wisdom that we need. Well, those are uh, just a few ways. You can look up some other verses that we've given you there. Um, these are just a few ways in which we can walk with God. So let me ask you this in closing. What... Um, what will those who come after us remember about us? You ever thought about that? I read this somewhere. Quote, They say that the best among us is remembered for 100 years or so. The rest of us are soon forgotten. The memory of past generations, like our gravestones, soon fade away. Let your legacy yet our legacy has been passed on through the family of God. Now we've loved God and others in our lifetime. That lives on. So what will, uh, what will your testimony be? What will your final testimony be? When our life is over, what we acquired or what we accomplished will not matter that much. What will matter for all eternity is did we please God and did we walk with Him? That's it, Corey. That's all that's going to matter. It's all that really mattered about Enoch. Hmm. He uh, walked with God. And that was his testimony. He pleased God by walking with Him. And um, may that be what we are remembered for. All these other things, all these little silly things that people put on tombstones. Um, that's not what I want. May it be said of us, as it was said of Enoch, he pleased God. Or she pleased God. That's a good testimony to have. Amen? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the example we have of Enoch who, who walked with... He pleased you, Lord, by walking with you. Help us to do that. Lord, we've barely scratched the surface about the, uh, surface about the matter of walking with you, of being faithful, uh, of serving you with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength. Thank you, Father. We pray you bless our church family. Uh, give us all strength that we need this week. Uh, help us to take the opportunities, Lord, to, uh, to uh, be ready to give an answer to every man. 
who asks us of the hope that's within us. May we be a, uh, an example uh, of the Lord Jesus. Some people will never come to this church and all the only Jesus they'll ever see is, is us. So help us to be faithful, Lord. We ask that you give us strength to help those that need healing and uh, bring us back at the next appointed time. We'll thank you for that. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said,